Good morning, friends, and greetings from sunny Atlanta. I bring you scripture from John chapter 19, verses 1 through 16, Pilate and the crowd. Then Jesus had Pilate taken and whipped. The soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and dressed him in a purple robe. Over and over they went up to him and said, Greetings, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Pilate came out of the palace again and said to the Jewish leaders, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no grounds for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's the man. When the chief priests and the deputies saw him, they shouted out, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate told them, You take him and crucify him. I don't find any grounds for a charge against him. Then Jewish leaders replied, We have a law. And according to this law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be God's son. When Pilate heard this word, he was even more afraid. He went back into the residence and spoke to Jesus, where are you from? And Jesus didn't answer. So Pilate said, you won't speak to me? Don't you know that I have authority to release you and also to crucify you? Jesus replied, you would have no authority over me if it had not been given to you from above. That's why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment on, Pilate wanted to release Jesus. However, the Jewish leaders cried out saying, if you release this man, you aren't a friend of the emperor. Anyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he led Jesus out and seated him on the judge's bench at the place called Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was about noon on the preparation day for the Passover. Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, here is your king. The Jewish leaders cried out, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate responded, what? Do you want me to crucify your king? We have no king except the emperor, the chief priests answered. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to be crucified. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. you to take in a breath. Take in another breath and let it out with a sigh. This story is hard. To go from many years when we may not hear much of this story at all to now we're in our third week of the trial. It's getting tougher um, to stick with it and to really allow yourself to hear it and see it as the hymn invited us to see the conflict and the tension, to see it, to feel it, uh, to let in what's actually happening. I missed saying our just peace lamp words this morning, so let's say them now. 
We long for a just peace. We pray for a just peace. We choose to live for a just peace. Just this morning, I happened to see a prayer from Cole Arthur Riley of Black Liturgies. I know many of you follow her as well. And so I invite you to pray with me. God who knows sorrow, thank you for being a God who is moved to tears. For in doing, you remind us that one can know healing is coming and still make space to grieve what is. We're reminded that hope and lament are not mutually exclusive. We confess that we are at times threatened by sadness in one another. We rush to resolve it. Grant us a small company capable of remaining with us in our sadness, who walk where we walk, not so they can speak platitudes over us or try to drag our souls toward happiness, but so they can hold space for our pain. Help us to hold our tears as sacred, never being too quick to wipe them away or hold them prisoner knowing that our freedom is entwined with theirs. Our spirit aches, but not alone. May it be so, God. Amen. When I really allow myself to, to feel this story, to be in it, to see it, to dwell in it, uh, the mocking and the scourging and the dressing and the humiliating, uh, I immediately think of those images that came out of Guantanamo Bay years ago of the prisoners um, forced into humiliating positions. Um, so that's what comes to mind when I read the story and really let myself sit there. As an antidote to that, uh, I also, um, I see the images of the Black Mama bailout uh, with Southerners on New Ground in North Carolina and the Mother's Day action that they've had for years now of bailing out mamas, Black mamas on Mother's Day. I think of that as an exceedingly rare and hopeful and liberatory response to the overwhelming reality of humans behind bars because they're poor. I'm so glad you, that KUOW featured cash bail this morning. I didn't hear it, but I was planning to share cash bail. There are so many people in our jails right now, not because they're guilty of anything. They haven't even sat trial. In fact, three out of five people in jail right now in the United States of America have not sat trial. They're there because they're poor. They're there because they can't afford bail. They haven't even seen a day in court. It's ludicrous. It's infuriating. It makes me want to cry. It makes me think of anyone who's been churned through our trial and carceral system. The, the 
podcasts that Amy and I listen to every week are, are, are Jewish and Christian uh, Bible readers who, they're both doctors of theology and they meet together and talk about the Bible, Bible room. They talked about it as the moving sidewalk. It's like one of those airport moving sidewalks, like our carceral system is a moving sidewalk that just keeps moving. And once you're on it, you're kind of screwed. It just keeps going. We talk about the school to prison pipeline, and I feel like this week between Kamani Carter's story that many of us watched on, on the documentary since I've been down this week, and just the story of Jesus, I sometimes forget that the pipeline is like at a 60 degree angle down or whatever, how many ever degrees that is, and like lined with Vaseline. It's just like this greased downward spiral pipeline. There's so much that's wrong with this. Think of everyone who's caught. I think of Bob Ekblad. Some, I don't know. I've met Bob. Uh, some of you know him more personally, and um, he's, uh, he's a leader in Tierra Nueva, which is one of our Just Peace partners. Um, and he wrote, a, he wrote a book that I've never read. I don't even own it. But the title enough and the concept enough has forever changed the way I read the Bible. He, it's reading the Bible with the damned. And it's documenting his experience of reading the Bible in jails and in prisons with people who are caged, who are caught, who got so far down that moving sidewalk of our system that they're caught. And I'm so grateful, again, just for the title, maybe someday I'll actually read the book, but the title, Reading the Bible with the Damned, I'm so grateful for that because it gives me a new perspective on this story. And yes, this is how I engage the text every week. There's lots of ink colors and scribbles and marks. Um, when I imagine reading this with some of those people, our neighbors, I wonder if they might not think this is all that remarkable of a story at all. It's actually not that interesting. Pretty mundane, actually. Every day, every day this is happening to people in our community. Naomi and I were um, reading this text together a couple weeks ago now and starting to have some of these conversations with one another. She immediately said Sandra Bland as one of many examples, but Sandra Bland, my goodness, from a black woman in Texas, from a routine, I mean, driving while black, you know, but a routine traffic stop to three days later dead in her cell. Three days, three days. That's how long it took that moving sidewalk to end in death. And Jesus, in this story, is indeed retreating deeper toward silence. He speaks only once in this story, and we won't hear much more from him in John. He speaks only once. He is retreating into deepened silence. And John, the Gospel of John, as we have encountered over this year, there are many signs. Jesus has done, according to John, some pretty miraculous things, including bringing Lazarus back from the dead, walking out of his grave. So in John, it's interesting to me that Jesus 
though he potentially could have just like miraculously hopped himself off this moving sidewalk, he doesn't. He doesn't manufacture any kind of miraculous exit ramp out of this. He has the fully human experience of being completely churned up by the carceral system of his day, of getting slowly and brutally churned up. We watched that documentary this week of Kamani Carter. And it's a remarkable story that I commend to all of you since I've been down. Black Prisoners Caucus and his, edu his amazing education program. Joanne reminded me this morning, one of the things that really struck her is uh, one of the you know, DOC employees over at Clallam Bay said, Kamani Carter has single-handedly done more for race relations in that uh, violent, very violent uh, prison than anyone, staff or inmate, has ever done. Kamani Carter from inside with 777 year, 77 month and 77 day <laughs> oh, sentence. <laughs> I mean, you laugh or you cry, right? Oh. For a drive-by shooting as a gangbanger when he was 18 and he had basically no choice in the matter from the age of 11 on to survive, he had to, he had to gangbang. The first black mayor of Tacoma, Mayor Moss, was in that documentary, and it was, uh, those were some of my favorite scenes because it was him and three other black male elders just sitting together in chairs. It just, I just wanted to pull up a chair and have secretly have coffee with all of them. And at one point he just said, the system is a son of a bitch. And I thought, can I say that from the pulpit? And I only about a second later said, I have to. I have to give testimony. The system is a son of a bitch. And then later in the documentary, woman, again, one of our neighbors who spent a lot of time behind bars, who reminded us all that we're all part of the system, that there's no one who's exempt from it. And so when I read a story like this and I think about the stories of today, I think of complicity. I think not one of us is, is exempt. The one thing Jesus says is, the one who handed me over had greater sin. And I am struck by the fact that he said, that's the one who had sin, not you. No, it's just greater sin. It's, just all, it's all measures of greater and lesser sin. <laughs> the one thing Jesus says seems to indicate Nobody is innocent here. Everyone is complicit. And everyone is harmed. And here I think of, of you know, so many black teachers in my life in the last couple of years in anti-racism circles who have taught me slowly, I'm learning, that racism doesn't just harm black, it, it harms all of us. We're all complicit and we are all harmed. Same with our cars. We are all complicit and we are all harmed. When I think about those Guantanamo guards that did that BS, <laughs> I'm trying, trying to keep it in check. To those humans 
boy, they are harmed too by that. When I think about these guards scourging Jesus, wrapping him in thorns and robes, they are harmed. And you better believe that many of them were harmed before this moment. They're carrying trauma into this. That is part of why this system is just mm, start to finish. We need, we need liberation from, from this. And so as Jesus retreats into silence, like Amy, I want to imagine him in a circle of grace. We're claiming in our Lent worship that Jesus is embraced by God's love even as he recedes toward the solitude of the cross, broken relationships with his friends. I want to imagine each one caught in the carceral system in a circle of grace. And this is language that's going to be familiar to some of our kids and youth and anybody who's ever taught Sunday school, at least until three years ago when everything, you know, did what it did um, on Zoom. Uh, every year, our kids and youth do this curriculum, Circle of Grace. It's produced by Dove's Nest, which is a Mennonite organization whose mission is to equip and empower faith communities to keep kids safe, to keep kids safe in church, in their families, in their communities. And the Circle of Grace is this way of visualizing and imagining God's presence and God's love that is with us through the worst, the worst of what this world can dish up. Circle of Grace claims that God is present and desires a relationship with us. If you need to do something to your body to feel that, do. I, need, I apparently need to pound my chest. God is present and desires a relationship with us. God helps us know what belongs in our Circle of Grace. And God helps us know what does not belong in our Circle of Grace. And God helps us know when to ask for help from someone that we trust. And sometimes we cannot control those intrusions into our circles of grace. Like Jesus, like so many caught up on the moving sidewalk, the churning gears of our carceral system. Sometimes we cannot control the intrusions. Other times we have the agency in inviting people in. And however the boundary is violated, whether it's violated through violence or whether we invite somebody in, always God is with each one. There is nothing at all that can separate us from God's love. So I'm going to invite you um, to stand in body or in spirit. You may also remain seated if you prefer, but we're going to, I want you to feel your bodies and I want you to have enough space around you to be able to reach out. So, so stand if you're able and willing and create a little bit of space and we're going to do the circle of grace meditation first led um, by this young person this is a video that's on the circle of grace dove's nest website and then i'll do it a second time so that we can just really feel it in our bodies i think we're ready adam raise your hands above your head then bring your arms slowly down extend your arms in front of you and then behind you. Embrace all the space around you. Slowly reach down to your feet, 
Know that God is in this space with you. This is your circle of grace. You are in it. Because we don't do body motion real naturally, we're going to do it one more time. Raise your hands above your head and then bring your outstretched arms slowly down. Extend your arms in front of you and behind you, embracing all the space around you and slowly reach down to your feet. At this point, if you need to, you can look at me first being big and then close your eyes if you want to. I want you to just take a moment and just feel, feel that circle all around you and move freely in it. Know that God is in this space with you. This is your circle of grace and you are in it. May it be so for each one. Amen.